able to maintain oneself without outside aid, capable of providing for one's own needs. And then we have independent. These words go together. Self-sufficient, independent. And the definition for independent is not dependent. Not depending or contingent upon something else for your existence. So, self-sufficient, independent. These two words can and are a good thing, and they can also be a very bad thing. Obviously, we want our children to grow to become somewhat self-sufficient and independent. We, want our, we all grow into being able to feed ourselves. We all want to be able to put on our clothes. We all want to uh, grow to the point of getting a driver's license one day, getting a job so that we can make money, so that we can uh, purchase things. We want to get married one day, and, and, and as a husband, you want to love your wife and, and provide for her and your family by being able to be, in a sense, self-sufficient, that you're not relying on everybody else to take care of you, but you're faithful to work, as the Bible teaches, he who doesn't work, neither should he eat, the Bible says. So that, in that sense, there is a, a good way we can use the word uh, independent or self-sufficient. However, the, the, the term quickly becomes wrong. It's been abused, especially in the resilient uh, American dream culture, right? Where we are independent, self-sufficient. We can do whatever we want, however we want, because we are totally islands now. We are, we are totally in charge of everything about our lives. And Paul reminds us today that, that we, we as Christians cannot think of ourselves as self-sufficient, independent beings that can take care of ourselves. Instead, in order to enter the kingdom of God, what did Jesus say? He said, except you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean to become like a little child? He's not talking about innocence because those who have children know they're not innocent. If you're honest, they look innocent. They look uh, very adorable. But man, they have this little streak in them of meanness that comes out every now and then. My little adorable little Evie, right? Two-year-old, right? Almost. I guess she is. Yeah. And she starts this weird thing where out of the blue, this sweet little cherub face looking at you, and then all of a sudden she says, <laughs> and I mean, you get a shower. It's like, what are you doing? So frustrating. And she knows that she shouldn't do that, but she does it, loves to do it. Anyway, what does it then mean? Except you become as a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of, of heaven. It's not innocence, we know that. It's total reliance on someone else. It's total helplessness. It's the opposite. You become like a child, which means it's the opposite of independent, self-sufficient. Jesus said that's how you've got to become in order to enter my kingdom. Until you see yourself, Jesus is saying, as a helpless child who only can reach out. That's all you can do is reach out and take what's given to you. You can't do it on your own. Until you become like that, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Until we become so dependent, and reliant upon God for everything. We will never enter the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we will not live a life that brings God glory unless we are totally dependent and reliant on God for everything. So even in our human workings every day, when we are responsible and we are dependable and we go to work every day and we do work and we do earn money, we have to realize as Christians, that's not me. It's by God's grace. 
Even the breath I breathe, even the energy I have to get up and go to work, even the knowledge I have to perform my job, all of that is God's grace. So I'm really uh, amazed at how easy it is, even in my own life, to begin to look at myself and say, well, look at me, look at what I've got, look at my skills, look at my this, look at my beauty, look at my muscles, you know, <laughs> all my hair. You know, I just, and, and we fool ourselves. We are, we are truly we are insane sometimes as we look at ourselves and give ourselves all this credit and put so much stock in ourselves and think how independent we are. And in one day, it can all be gone, folks. Your health, your life, God holds it in his hands. So let us take these words today to heart and realize that we are reliant on God's spirit. We must rely on God for all things, everything. In chapter 8, Paul specifically teaches us that everything we are and everything we accomplish is a result of God's Holy Spirit working in us. Remember, we've already seen that we put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. We've already seen that it is by the Spirit working in us that we cry, Abba, Father. It's by the Spirit bearing witness with our spirits that we know we are the children of God. So it is the Holy Spirit of God doing everything for us. We have been regenerated by God's grace, justified by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, and we are being sanctified, putting away sin, putting to death, to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today Paul reminds us that we can't even pray without the power of the Holy Spirit. We are totally dependent upon God. And that's why Paul, I think, brings this to our attention today, especially because prayer is so vital in understanding that. As a matter of fact, I, my premise of today's message is, is this, to explain prayer. What is prayer? And I know we have a lot of definitions for prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is uh, asking God to supply its, its, its request, it's this and that. We can put words like that, but really it comes down to one thing. Prayer is total reliance on God. That's why we pray. Because we are totally relying on God. Putting everything in his hands, knowing that we are insufficient. We cannot be independent. We're totally dependent on God. And when we pray, it's like a baby crying to his father. Feed me. Clothe me. Give me shelter. Keep me safe. That's what prayer is. So today we see again that we can't really pray even effectively without the Spirit's help. Look, look at verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So why, again, is prayer the weakness Paul focuses on here? Because, again, in context, we know that we're totally weak in all areas, but in this context, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The word weakness there is singular. He's talking about a weakness, particularly in this verse. And he goes on to mention it. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That's our weakness that Paul's talking about here. The, the, the main weakness that he's focusing on here is prayer. Why is that so important? That Paul 
singles it out in this verse that we're weak in prayer. And again, I submit to you, the reason is we must pray. The importance of prayer cannot be underestimated, folks, because it is our reliance on the Father. So, because seeing the fact that when we pray, we're admitting that we're not self-sufficient, that's what we're admitting when we pray. When you have to ask God for something, this is, this is, this, this is, again, in our culture, we've been taught, I work for what I get, and I'm not taking a free handout from anybody, and that's it. And there's some goodness in that, there's some rightness in that, as I've said, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat, the Bible says. We understand that principle. But we get to the point where we make anything sinful as humans, and we say, you know what? I don't need any help. I don't need anybody to do something for me. I'll do it myself. I'll earn my own way. I hate, you know people like this. What do they say? I don't want to ask anybody for help. You, you come and you see them having trouble, and you help them, and then you say, well, well, why didn't you ask? Oh, I hate to ask people for help. Okay, be dumb. I'm kidding. But that's what you want to say sometimes, right? But that's exactly what God is saying. When we act like we can control our lives, then be stupid. Is a, right? This is ridiculous. Why would we do that when we have the, the, the God of the universe who says, come unto me, bring all of your cares for me because I care for you. I care for you, so cast all your cares on me. No, no, I can't ask you for help. I'll handle this myself, Lord. That's how we live sometimes. And what Paul is saying is he can't do that. We must know how to pray effectively. It's important that we pray and that we understand the reason we pray. And that reason, first and foremost, is not so God will give us something. The reason for prayer is that we will show our total reliance upon God. I have to ask you, God, because I can't do this. So you think prayer is pretty important for the Christian. You think most Christians would have a thriving prayer life because that's it. That's our whole thing. God, we need you every minute, every second, every day. So we're praying constantly, which is what Paul said, pray without ceasing. Why? Because I must constantly show that I'm relying on God, right? This is what we must do. Paul Miller, who wrote A Praying Life, conducted a series of surveys during his national seminars on prayer. And during those 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 surveys, he found that 90% of evangelical Christians do not have a meaningful daily prayer life. Wow. And I think one reason we fail to pray, why, why is it then that we do not pray like we should? I think one reason that we fail to pray like we should is because we think we're strong enough to handle it. We think we're strong enough to handle things on our own. You, how many times have we, have we heard people say, wow, ooh, this is getting really bad, we better pray, Right? We've, we've checked on the, with the doctors. We've checked with this clinic. We've checked with this medication. We've done this. Oh, better pray. Right? That shows again that we think somehow we can handle things on our own, and only when it gets tough do we need to go to God. The truth is, folks, John 15, 5 is what we need to look to as the model for how Christians live their lives and how we behave as far as relying on the Father. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. You're productive 
You're accomplishing things. You're doing things for my glory. For apart from me, you can do some things, but when it gets really tough, then you call on me. It doesn't say that. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That's the mindset we need to have as believers. For every little thing we do, we must pray. That should be our mindset. It really isn't. How many times do we start our day, we rush through the house, we got up late, we're doing this and that, we're trying to scurry in our minds as to how we're going to make things work. Whereas what we should do is the minute our feet hit the floor, even before they roll out of that bed, the minute our eyes open, we say, Father, I need your grace. From the day, from the day, from the moment we wake up on our, our bed to the day, our, to, to the day, boy, to the moment our, pillow, our head hits the pillow that night, we should be breathing out reliance on God. That's prayer. Breathing out, Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. I need your grace. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I mean, just a conversation that never stops. It never stops. Like one old Puritan said, in the morning, you wake up, you say, dear Father in heaven, and at the end of the night, you go to sleep and say, amen. That should be our lives. Constant prayer. Constant reliance on the Father, knowing that without him, we can do nothing. I can't love my wife the way I need to love my wife. I can't be patient with my kids the way I need to be without his grace. I cannot be the employer or the employee that I need to be without the grace of God. I can't fix my child's bicycle without the grace of God. I can't assemble that desk without the grace of God. I mean, folks, we should pray about everything, even though it seems silly in some ways to us who are independent, self-sufficient adults. We must have the mindset of a child that says, no, I need your grace and help and knowledge and wisdom and strength for every aspect of my life because we're weak. And I love the, it says here that once we see our, our, our utter weakness and inability and we cry for help, the Spirit helps. John 14, 16, and 17. Look at this. This is what the Spirit does. We saw that in the verse, right? When, it, when Jesus says, or when Paul says in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's his job. It's actually his name. The paraclete. The one who goes beside John 14, 16, 17. Look how important this is that we understand who we're relying on. And I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. We have to mark that as believers and understand that. That's what makes us a believer versus when we were non-believers. The thing that changes that status is the Holy Spirit in us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you are a child of God, the Bible says. So again, what grace God has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, that the Holy Spirit is in us. So, Jesus is saying that that's the gift from God, the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, and that's the rub that we have as we begin to live for Christ and rely on him for everything, and we're praying 
his will be done in our lives and we're reading his word and we're conforming to his will the rub is the people outside of us who don't have the holy spirit can't understand what we're doing why we're doing what we're doing why we believe what we believe why we raise our kids the way we raise our kids and so on and so forth but it's because the helper who is in us and by the way how long do we have him forever that's glorious that's a whole other sermon right there when we have the Holy Spirit, we have him forever. And then the end of that verse says, you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you, period. He's not leaving you nor forsaking you. First, uh, I'm sorry, John 14, 26, Jesus goes on to say this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you to, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's the Spirit that does that. That's why, again, we rely on him for all things, our growth as a Christian, our understanding on how to serve people, how to pray. All of it is because of the Holy Spirit in us. So that's what the helper does. He helps in our weakness. So verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. I'm glad Paul said our and we. Paul's saying, hey, this is for every one of us. Every believer can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we need that help. Because in prayer, folks, prayer is discouraging. It's mysterious in some ways. It's hard. It's hard because we don't know what to ask sometimes. We don't know what to say sometimes. And then when we do know what we're praying for, we don't know how to do it, how to say the words, or how to form it, or how to frame it. And we get worried, especially the more uh, theology we learn. Oh, should I be praying for God's will to be done? Or should I just go ahead and pray to the Lord to heal them and believe that you're going to heal them? And, and should I name it and claim it and command it? God, you're going to do this right now. Or again, if I say, Lord, your will be done, that's not real faith. Blah, blah, blah. And we start asking our, in our minds all these questions. How should I say this? And we should think about those things, but we should not let those things stop us from praying because we get so bogged down. But it does happen, right? Many Christians say, I just don't know what to say, how to say it. Am I saying it right? So we just don't do it at all. And it can be discouraging also because it seems like nothing happens when you do pray something. When you do fervently ask God for something, and it just seems like you're knocking on a brass floor of heaven and no nobody's answering. There's nothing that happens. We need to acknowledge that. It's interesting that at a Desiring God conference in 2011, Francis Chan told of the numerous answers to prayer that he's had through the years. He said that for the Christian, answered prayer should be the most natural thing in the world. As a matter of fact, you should be surprised on those weird occasions when a prayer is not immediately answered. I'm going to tell you, folks, that's not my experience. That's not my personal experience. I mean, if you want somebody to pray for you, you better call Chan, because that's not, that, <laughs> that's not my experience. It's just happening every, every second, every minute, just when I say it, it happens. That, that wasn't David's experience, either. The Psalms are full of David crying out, How long, O Lord, will you be silent? All night, all day, I cry to you. 
Psalm 88, verses 1 and 2. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my ear. Oh, Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? See, that is a more real picture of the Christian life. This is, this is what we see throughout the scriptures that the saints of God pray, but they don't always see an immediate answer or they even see an opposite result. Often. Again, folks, what that reminds us is this. Prayer is not so much about always receiving the answer you want from God as it is about learning to totally rely on God. We're going to get that. Prayer is not so much about always receiving the answer you want from God as it is about learning to totally rely on God. That's why we are to pray. Whether he answers the way we want him to or not, we are to rely on him nonetheless at all times. And so the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us with this. Look, look again at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is why you say, because I know it sounds pretty pathetic in a way, like, then why should we pray at all if we can't say the right words and we don't even uh, have the right, you know, uh, a framework and, 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 and God's not going to answer anyway so why we why pray here's the good news our prayers are effective this is this is the glorious thing this when we pray faithful when we're faithful to obey God and pray the spirit of God intercedes for us and our prayers are effective and we are part of the, the divine decrees of God and we are working in a, an integral part of his eternal, predetermined will that's accomplished through our praying. Now, that's big. You've always heard the question, why do we pray if God already knows what we need before we ask, right? He knows what we need before we ask, so why do we pray? Because God has ordained that his will and his decrees come to pass through the prayers of his people. And I've always wondered, how, how does that work when sometimes we don't even know how to pray right? This verse answers that. It doesn't matter. You're faithful to pray. God has ordained you as his child, his son or daughter, to pray to him. And as we're praying and fumbling around in our flesh sometimes, the spirit within us is effectively interceding and taking our request to God. He intercedes, prays on our behalf is what that means, right? Groaning's too deep for words. This is interesting because this topic, this verse, the, those that were groanings that are too deep for words, many have said that's the gift of tongues, that somehow that this is a verse talking about we begin to groan in, in unutterable words. That's not talking about tongues. Analetos, the word there, for deep, too deep for words, literally means no words. <laughs> no words are used. The Spirit's not using words, is the point here. Wordless, it could say. He groans wordlessly. 
Not using words. That's, that's the Spirit doing that. He's not telling us to do something. We've grown some inaudible words that somehow are a magic potion that God hears the magic words. Okay, good. No. The Spirit, while we're praying faithfully as we can, the Spirit is groaning directly with the Father. This is, again, lifting that veil I talked about and letting us little finite beings look into infinity. We don't get this, but it encourages us enough to say, keep praying. <laughs> keep praying because my confidence is not in my words. My confidence is in the Holy Spirit who is groaning for me, interceding for me, wordless prayers, making those words, those, that, those groans direct to the Father. Now, now look at this. I like what John MacArthur says about this, actually. He says, These groans refer to divine articulations within the Trinity that cannot be expressed in words, but carry profound appeals for the welfare of every believer. I know, it's big, it's deep, it's out of our understanding, it's above our understanding, but this is the Trinity communicating with the Trinity for us. Amazing. Amazing. So that's why we can confidently pray and should constantly pray. We are relying on you, God, and we're trusting the fact that your Holy Spirit is working in us for your glory and your will will be accomplished. Because that's what it says. Look, 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 as, as we continue here. The Spirit always prays correctly. That's what's so glorious about this. We don't. The Spirit does. Romans 8, 27, he goes on to say, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's a lot of deep stuff going on here, but it's simply saying God, who does search our hearts, he knows us, he's in our hearts, the Spirit is also in our hearts, and God is directly communicating with the Holy Spirit himself, his Spirit. He knows our needs. He knows what's being said by the Spirit. And the Spirit is praying, he's taking, and this is, this is what we don't quite understand. As we are faithful to pray, the Spirit interprets all of that and makes us pray according to the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean, again, this is what the supernatural part of this is. It goes above our pay grade. You're praying for the new Mercedes. And somehow what it's saying here is the Spirit takes that and says, no, Lord, here's what we mean. <laughs> And I don't get that. I'm never going to get that till I stand in heaven. But, in a sense, what God is saying is be faithful to pray. And, and learn how to pray, by the way. We need to learn, the more we learn to pray according to God's will, the less we're going to be praying for that new Mercedes for us. And for things like that for other people. Like, Lord, give, give that family food tonight so that they can eat. Lord, bless that family with shelter. Lord, give, help, help, help the people that have, are hurting in Rwanda right now, and just on and on. You see, our hearts are going to change as we are faithful to pray, and the Holy Spirit continues to work on us. But yet, even when we do not pray as we ought, that's what Paul said there, right? We don't know what to say, and we don't pray as we ought. It's during that very time that the Holy Spirit is groaning to the Father on our behalf in the will of the Father, praying according to the will of God. Obviously, Jeremiah 17.10 reminds us it's the Lord who searches the heart and tests the mind. And therefore, 
the Spirit of God in us conforms us to the will of God. This is part of our sanctification. Understanding more and more how to pray in the will of God. Notice this. Again, the Spirit always prays according to the will of God, but we don't always pray according to the will of God. Just being honest. And again, in our flesh, I think it's very difficult for most Christians to pray directly in the will of God for everything. Even as the church, let's just use an example. We're praying for a new building, right? You're going to hear more about it in the member meeting. We're praying, Lord, give us a building. We, we know it's God's will, right? It just makes perfect sense. It's bigger, there's more rooms, we could do more ministry. So, Lord, of course, obviously, this is your will, and you're not answering us, so there's a problem. What we've got to submit ourselves to and humble ourselves to is the knowledge that the Holy Spirit may be praying at the same time. Lord, I know that's not, that's not what we're doing. Again, this is down, this is dumb way down for us. But the idea is, Lord, we know that's not it, and we know that the, the, the plan for Grace Covenant is here. He's doing that for us. That's what it's saying. It doesn't mean we stop asking God. No, we ask and ask and ask. Why? Because it's building our reliance on him, our trust in him. And the Spirit is doing all the other work. Look at 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, that verse by itself, taken out of context, has done very dangerous things. <laughs> There's a false view of this verse. What is it? Very simply, God said I would get whatever I asked for. That's one way to read that, right? If we ask in confidence. Now, the words are in there. We just read over them very quickly. And this is the confidence that we have according to him that if we ask anything, he hears us. Oh, wait a minute. Those three were oh, according to his will. Yes. And that's what we always forget to do. We're so focused on what we want, and we're so focused on trying to talk God into why that is a good deal and why he should jump on our side <laughs> and give us that, that we skip right over the part about, oh, if it's your will, according to your will, the true view of that verse is, is this. God gives us what we pray for only when it aligns with what the Spirit is also praying for, which is God's will. We know the Spirit is always praying according to the will of the Father, and therefore it's only when we align with the Spirit and begin to pray the same way the Spirit is praying will we see this verse come. But God is saying that as you grow in your walk with Christ, as you become sensitive to the truth of God's Word, and you rely on the Holy Spirit, and you die to your flesh, and you begin to pray accordingly with the Spirit, you will see your prayers answered. I'm telling you, the more we pray for souls to be saved and for the knowledge to learn how to witness to people, we're going to see those prayers answered. That's God's will, no question. We still have to pray, though, because we rely on Him for the strength to do those things. That's the reliance part in prayer. Douglas Moo puts it like this. Paul is saying that our failure to know God's will and consequent inability to petition God specifically and assuredly is met by God's Spirit, who himself expresses to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. When we do not know what to pray for, 
Yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us, we need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession on our behalf. That's what this verse is talking about. Again, I just want to continue to encourage us to pray. Don't let this discourage us. Matter of fact, I hope it encourages you to realize that, that hey, not everybody gets their prayers answered. Not everybody is, is going to pray in God's will. We're just simply to obey God and attempt those things. Pray to him, cry out to him all day long, trusting that the Holy Spirit is, is praying for us and that as we continue to pray, we will conform to the image of the Spirit in us. We'll begin to pray more and more like God's will demands of us. Closing encouragement is this. Do not let the fact that you don't always get what you want or know what to say or see prayers answered discourage you from being a praying people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says, Rejoice always. Here, here's God's will for your life. But a lot of people ask pastors that, right? They come and say, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Should I do this? Blah, 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 blah. Well, here it is. Perk up your ears. Here's God's will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray without stopping. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So knowing that that's God's will for me to pray without ceasing, pray without stopping. Again, it goes right back to the adage. I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, help me. And I begin all day long, every minute, just breath prayers, just breathing, like breathing in and out, right? I'm constantly just saying, Lord, help me. Sometimes we're saying, Lord, help me a lot more than others. Person didn't go and the lights, it happens. It ha oh my goodness, the construction on, on Glenway and people not having common sense, that's a terrible mix. And many, many times it's because I say, Lord, help me. A lot of times, Lord, forgive me. But that's prayer. What I'm saying is we're constantly just breathing out from the first moment we wake up until we hit the pillow at night and say, Lord, amen. And then we should be praying, Lord, teach me to dream prayer. I don't know, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying we should always be relying and praying without ceasing. Now look at this. Don't know the fact that your prayers don't seem to be answered keep you from praying. I already mentioned that, but I want to remind us of some things. Listen to this. Moses prayed to be able to enter the promised land. He really petitioned God, forgive me, Lord, let me enter the promised land, please. And God said, no. This is, this is, this is this not going to happen. And then, what about this? Paul, the apostle. If anybody's going to get their prayers answered all the time, it'd be Paul, right? Paul has some kind of an ailment. We don't know what the infirmity was, but three different occasions he begged God, please take this away. Heal me. And every time God said, no. No. My grace is sufficient for you. Keep praying, though. Keep praying. And Paul's the one that said that. Pray without ceasing. And Paul was also the one that experienced unanswered prayer on a regular basis. And yet, he prayed without ceasing. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient for us as we rely totally on him. But I mean, think about this, folks. David, Elijah, Jonah, Moses, Paul, all of them had unanswered prayer. I mean directly in the scriptures when they beg God for one thing, he actually says no and even sometimes does the opposite. As, as, as they pray, Lord, do not let the enemies overtake us. That very enemy overtakes them. That happens. 
But it doesn't mean we stop praying. It means we continue to trust in God and rely on God and trust the Holy Spirit to pray according to God's will for us. Remember, prayer is not as much about always receiving what I ask for as it is about making me dependent on God and always asking him to supply my need. Trusting him for what's best for me, even when it doesn't look like the thing I wanted. Charles Spurgeon, I'll close with this. This is encouraging for us. Charles Spurgeon said this, the sweetest prayers God ever hears are the groans and sighs of those who have no hope in anything but him. That's the sweetest prayer God hears. That's what he hears when we pray, our dependence on him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we do thank you that you hear us. And Father, even though we don't understand everything about you, and there are some mysterious things that happen, and there are some disappointing things and from our perspective that happen with prayer, Father, may your spirit well up within us and give us the confidence to continue to ask, seek, and knock, to continue to pray, to continue to rely on you like newborn infants who can only cry out to their father for help. Father, let us be faithful to pray and trust you for the outcome and that it's best for us. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand this morning as we respond to God's word in song.